Amanita mushrooms, they were used in Siberian shamanism. There's even ties to early Christianity, and, uh, even to the point of some people thinking them uh, they could be the fruit of knowledge in the Garden of Eden. There's a lot of ties in between our modern day Christmas story and these Amanita mushrooms. I mean, even to the point that flying reindeer are just high reindeer on mushrooms. <laughs> you know, I've, I've dedicated my life to using plant medicines because it's it saved my life. I think it's just about getting the safety down to it and trying to keep it away from the greedy people of the world that are that are just out for themselves in their pockets. What artificial intelligence is to me is it's an analytical database set of our collective consciousness, void of emotion. And so what can that tool be used for? Hello, and welcome to the We Are The Medicine podcast. This podcast is a place where we discuss a wide variety of topics, from psychedelics and other plant medicines to sovereignty and spirituality. This is a space where we have raw and vulnerable conversations and explore the mysteries of our universe with the intention of empowering listeners and guiding you to ask the questions that will help you come into a deeper resonance with your truest essence. I'm your host, Serena Rose. Now let's get into the episode. What's up, everyone, and welcome to this very special holiday-themed episode of We Are The Medicine. In today's episode, I am joined by my amazing friend, Ryan Griffith, a man who has dedicated himself to the exploration of consciousness and the pursuit of spiritual wisdom. He is a plant medicine student and really just a magical wizard filled with knowledge of many different plants and fungi, including the one we are highlighting here today, the Amanita muscaria mushroom. Is it possible that the Christmas myth of Santa Claus and his flying reindeer originated from mystical experiences with psychedelic mushrooms? There is a lot of correlation between our modern day Christmas celebration and the Amanita mushroom, also known as the fly agaric mushroom, much of which comes from ancient Siberian shamanic traditions and similar traditions throughout neighboring parts of Europe. Many of the holidays we celebrate today have origins in pagan traditions, and it is apparent to me that Christmas is definitely one of them. Christmas also aligns with the holiday of Yule, which is a winter festival that was historically celebrated by the ancient Germanic and Scandinavian peoples, who were eventually converted to Christianity and brought some of their magic and their traditions into Christmas. This is just a piece of what we discuss in today's episode. In this episode, Ryan explains the compounds within the Amanita muscaria mushrooms, how to find and process them in order to work with them safely, and the difference between Amanitas and psilocybin. We also talk about empowering ourselves to reclaim our birthright to work with these sacred plants and fungi, and the importance of keeping plant medicines out of the hands of government and pharmaceutical gatekeepers. We even get into a fascinating conversation about the future of AI and the potential of AI to help solve a myriad of problems throughout our society. We discuss the fears that many of us, including myself, have around the negative potential of AI and how we can shift our perspective and hopefully steer these technological advancements in the right direction. I had such a great time recording this podcast and I really hope that you all enjoy it and learn a lot and have as much fun as I did. So take you a little microdose, get you a little smoke. We're having fun today. It's a holiday celebration. So thank you for joining. Thank you for supporting this podcast. And now let's get into the episode. 
All right. Welcome back, everybody, to the We Are The Medicine podcast. I present to you my dear friend, Ryan. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you, Serena. I'm super excited to have this conversation today. We have a little Amanita tea. Mm -hmm. This is actually my first time. Popping the cherry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'd love for us to jump right in and like you can just go off of what you were saying about the amanitas and the process yeah. like of harvesting them and all of that. I would love to hear. So Serena and I are sipping on some tea from some amanita muscaria mushrooms that I harvested here locally on my grandfather's property in Alaska. And these are just caps and amanita mushrooms, you know, they have a ancient lore about them and different things and they were used in Siberian shamanism there there's even ties to early Christianity and religious um, things uh, even to the point of some people thinking them uh, they could be like uh, the fruit of knowledge in the Garden of Eden right and there's there's art that even that depicts that and that I've seen go across the internet, ancient art. And, and there's, I've seen some art in Italy where they've, they have Amanita mushrooms in the baskets, you know, and even in today's culture, we see them in um, the Super Mario brothers, right? Uh, the red and white mushrooms. And um, they, they have a, a, a shamanic, uh, I guess, history that allows you to tie to different mystical experiences. And if they're, cured in the right way and used in the right way. And there's still a lot of um, science that's going into it. They are legal here in the United States. So very different than, than psilocybin, but similar in a lot of ways too. And Amanita mushrooms, they, if you ingest them just raw, right, or pick them right off the ground, they have a lot of ibotenic acid, which can cause a lot of nausea, you know, vomiting, uh, muscle spasms, um, a lot of discomfort. So uh, traditionally, the way they were prepared to for ingestion was they'd um, drink the urine of animals that would eat the mushrooms, and uh, specifically caribou or, or domesticated caribou, reindeer. And so they drink the urine, and and then they they go into these mystical experiences, and they used them as a um, they used them as kind of an intoxicant for a celebration, for spiritual connection, talking to spirits, for ceremony, um, for parties, you know, for many different reasons. And they allow an altered state of consciousness. They allow, just similar to psilocybin, they allow you to, to experience things through a, a distorted lens um, from what your everyday life is used to. And uh, specifically, um, ibotenic acid, when you, when you convert it into mescamol, uh, through heat drying and there's there's lots of different ways to do it but typically using um, alchemy and heat to dry the mushrooms and I dried these ones at 165 degrees which is what um, my research showed was the most appropriate to convert the most um, ibotenic acid into mescamol and I got a lot of my uh, I did a lot of my trial and error using a youtuber Amanita Dreamer and I was actually lucky enough to sit with her in ceremony in Washington a couple of years ago. Oh, that's so plant, cool. At a plant medicine church. So uh, we did, uh, for an equinox, we did a, um, 
uh, drum circle. We drank drank the Amanita brew, and we also smoked Amanita mushroom out of um, a hookah. And so I actually have a little Amanita mushroom that I ground up in my in my grinder, my herbal grinder. And this is my ceremonial pipe. And so uh, I think we'll just start this off. I'm going to take a little uh, little toke on some some mushroom. Ooh. I also have I also have uh, this little blend that I put put in it too. It's got I got on an Etsy. It's got a Egyptian blue lotus, red raspberry leaf, lavender, ginkgo, uh, rose petals. Um, chamomile, skull cap, uh, and then also a little, just a little bit of ganja because I like to add add a little little mama medicine in there. Woohoo! And then, uh, and then some amanita, lots of amanita. So, oh, rough. that's beautiful. And uh, also in preparation for this podcast episode, I took uh, about twenty five hundred milligrams of this amanita gummy about a half hour ago. Oh, beautiful. It's a party today. (laughs) We having a party on the podcast. So bringing in a little bit of that medicine here. Yeah. Get you a little microdose, get you a little smoky smoke. Okay. We're having fun today. We're celebrating. There's there's lots of ways to prepare uh, mescamol and ibotenic acid for ingestion. Like I said, you could smoke it. You can infuse it into gummies and, and different edible type um, things and you can make it into a tea. Um, there's also this one, uh, recipe. So Amanita Dreamer, she believes that Soma, I don't know if you're familiar with Soma, Serena, but it's, um, the nectar of the gods, right? Mm-hmm. It's this ancient recipe, uh, for a, basically having a mystical spiritual experience. And they, they use this for, for, um, many interpersonal, um, uh, visions and ceremonies. And so what Amanita Dreamer believes is that Soma is a infused yogurt using Amanita mushrooms. And so I've, I've prepared it before too, and it's delicious and it's like dangerously good. It's, it's really good. It smells like fresh baked bread. It tastes, it's just so good. And so basically you take Amanita uh, tea that's been decarboxylated through a heat drying process, and then you simmer that into a tea, and then you mix that into some unpasteurized milk like raw milk and uh you make a yogurt and you can drink the skim of that yogurt you can even eat the yogurt itself and and go on a little journey and it's delicious you know it's not like some of the other medicines like ayahuasca where you're like sick and it doesn't taste good no this stuff's delicious like dangerously good so you gotta be careful oh my god yeah you'll just be like ooh you know like when you get an edible that's like really good and you're like oh this is so yummy you just eat the whole thing and then you don't even know (laughs) what happens a couple hours later you are in another dimension right so yeah with with mescamol it's you know it's it's different it's a complete it's such a different substance and it hasn't been studied as much as some of the others um you know and for a a long time the last hundred years it's been known as a uh, a poisonous mushroom. So, you know, I was taught as a child to stay away from it. It grew in my yard. I'd, I'd kick them around, you know, they're, my parents are always like, you know, I can't eat the, can't eat any wild mushrooms because they're poisonous, especially that red one. <laughs> but, uh, that, yeah. They don't they, want us to know the truth. Right. They don't well, want it, us to know. It's, it's classified as a poisonous mushroom and it does have, it does have, it does cause nausea. It causes vo- uh, vomiting. It causes, um, it can cause seizures in high doses, right? But when you convert it into mescamol, um, it gets rid of a lot of those 
those, uh, I guess, uh, nauseating effects. And you have more of that kind of psychedelic like experience um, where you can have everything from visions to just to just general knowings, right? You have it, it changes how you feel and your the intensity of your feelings. And it uh Mescamol specifically works on the GABA A receptors, right, in your brain. And those um those uh receptors are what a, a lot of uh doctors have used over the years to treat different types of epilepsy and seizures and modifying the mechanisms in which um, those receptors are are used. And so, um, yeah, you have to be careful with dosage. You have to, you don't want to go into it just eating a whole lot. You know, Mescamol and, and Amanitas, if you're going to work with them and feel a calling to work with them and research them, you want to start off small. You want to start off microdosing and, and work your way up. You can use titration, you know, as far as taking a little bit and then maybe waiting a little while, seeing how you feel, taking a little more and increasing your dosage that way until you find the right dose that's for you. Cause from one person to another, it's going to be a different, a different dose that's needed. And there's also the way you prepare them. Like Amanita Dreamer, she uh, talks a lot about taking lots of different caps, you know, different size caps, because they're all going to have different levels of, of chemicals in them. And these alkaloids that these these active compounds, and so by taking a mixture from even from different areas, different size caps, big ones, small ones, darker red ones, lighter red ones, you know, orange ones, taking a bunch of different um, of them together and mixing them and making the best you can uh, a standardized brew for dosing, because you can take two caps that look identical and they could be completely different strengths. So, you know, especially if they're grown in different areas, because there's different subspecies, you'll see some that are more red than others, some that are more yellow, some that are more orange, and then a different stage of their fruiting process. You know, I typically like to pick them as soon as they open up, or yes. just as their gills are opening, right? Mm -hmm. And if you let them sit there too long, and they, they've been there a week or so, they might not be as potent. Yeah. So. A psilocybin is the same way. Yeah, so getting lots of different variety of samples and even different stages of of their fruiting, and then combining them into a brew is is um, said to be the best way for dosing. But uh, but yeah, no, it's it's used in smaller doses for pain relief. Um, for me, I just started taking gabapentin, and gabapentin is also prescribed for anti seizure. And it's not that I have seizure, but it's also used for pain relief. Uh, during the opioid crisis, you know, a lot of people, a lot of doctors started prescribing gabapentin and it wasn't specifically designed for, for um, pain relief. But uh, for me, it feels very similar to Amanita. I, I was kind of looking it up earlier this morning uh, just because I made that comparison and they work, they both work on similar, similar um, receptors on the GABA-A receptors, but it's different mechanisms and different how they, how they interact. So, but they have a similar effect. And so if you're, if you're familiar with gabapentin, it, uh, Amanita for me, at least feels very similar to that experience. Um, wow. yeah. And I, it's great for ADHD, right? It's great for increasing a little more presence within your body, like within your awareness, because it allows you a, a little bit of a heightened state of feeling, um, internally. So you can feel, you can feel energies a little stronger, especially for someone that's a little more disassociated and not as in touch with their emotions and, and whatnot. Um, 
Yeah, isn't it funny how I because I feel like psilocybin is similar to that too. Like, I feel like it really helps me to get into my body. And I feel like there's something to that of like mushrooms being so deeply connected to the earth and like the mycelium that runs all throughout like the layers deep below the earth connecting all these things. So it's like, it, I feel like it makes sense. Like if you pay attention to the way that f a certain fungi, well, all fungi grows like that, right? But like the way that plants grow, like you can get an idea of what they help you with because they're so connected to the earth. So they help us to really ground. That's cool. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. No, there's a lot of similarities between psilocybin and mescamol um, as far as how it feels. It's uh, psilocybin is a little, usually more, a little more intense experience, <laughs> but with the right dose of mescamol, you can, you can get those heightened uh, visual mystical experiences too. So it's, I think it's subjective to the individual and the person that feels called to work with this medicine. Um, and then as you start to work with it, as you go into these higher doses, uh, you'll, you'll be able to kind of see what, what type of experience you have and gauge it a little more effectively for you. Yeah. So, okay. So if, can you die from eating them raw? So there, there, that's a controversy opinion, right? So a lot of people say there's never been a recorded death. I've had people that have said their animals have eaten them and died, um, like people that I know personally, uh, you look on the internet and it says death is rare. So I think it's like anything, like, um, you feel called to work with something you, you work with it, you do your research and you work with it in a way that you start small and work your way up. And you can gauge that through how much you're ingesting. You just have to be careful that you know what you're doing as far as, um, as being able to take a small dose and know that you're taking a small dose, right? And be able to go to a medium dose and, and gauge those limits. And that's where ingesting and self-experimentation has helped me the most. Um, you know, you do the research, you try to get a ballpark to start with, and then I cut that into a third, you know, or even a quarter. And I start there, start small and you work your way up. And then as you start getting experiences, um, you can kind of gauge a little better. Like this is how much it took last time. I prepared it this way. I use these mushrooms. And now I have a baseline, you know, to kind of, to go from. Right. Yeah. I feel like that's so important. It's just like j trusting yourself and also like knowing you can always take more, but you cannot take less. Exactly. So <laughs> start small and you can work your way up, especially if it's a new medicine that you've never tried. And obviously like making sure that you're drying it properly to what is it called? Deoxy. De decarboxylate decarboxylate okay you better be decarboxylating so you yeah, don't have so, and, no problem like i said and like i said that that decarboxylation process that helps get rid of a lot of that nauseating effects right as that converts more of that ibotenic acid into mescamol you'll have less of the nausea less of the um nerve acting effects and more of the more psychedelic experience and the pain relief right so for mescamol and low doses is great for pain relief i suffer from back pain and different types of in, in inflammation and so i use mescamol as well as some other medicines to try to help counteract that some and um yeah amanita mushrooms too just talk about where they're grown typically they're in northern 
the northern hemisphere and they they grow in carnivorous environments um, around pine and and birch trees and they've actually been spreading more into the southern hemisphere just just through um, uh, pine and birch plantations right and so just be shipping these woods and and having these different plantations around the world uh, these mushrooms have have moved and started to thrive in different areas just in the modern century so yeah it's pretty it's pretty neat and i mean they there's so much there's so much history on them and there's so much speculation too because it's just you know how is it it's stories that have been told throughout time and attempted stories have been recorded in paintings and and there's a lot of controversy um what i know through personal experience is is these mushrooms this substance can provide a spiritual experience and they are legal right now in the united states and so that that can be a great benefit potentially for um western america to be able to have a legal medicine to work with that they can pick in their backyards yeah and like having that connection to the earth that we have so deeply lost in our culture like being able to go to your backyard and pick some amanitas and and feel their energy and to go through that process of drying them and making the tea or however you want to you know ingest the medicine like that's so needed and if it can help people with like back pain and all of these things that you've said like that like we need that you know i think a lot of people are looking for more natural options because pharmaceuticals can be extremely helpful in many cases and in a lot of other cases people want something that is more natural you know that comes mm -hmm. from the earth and doesn't have crazy side effects so there's a couple things i wanted to ask I think the first one is, so we were talking about the different subspecies of Amanitas that like the different colors. I know there's red ones, orange ones, like they're so beautiful too. They're so such eye-catching creatures. And I know there's also like white ones. And so is there any difference in the effects or how safe they are to use between those subspecies? Cause I feel like I heard someone say that the white ones are like, so poisonous um i have read that there is one specific amanita species that is more deadly than all the others um i can't remember exactly i think they call them death caps i can't remember exactly but they don't grow up here in alaska where i'm from so i, I don't i haven't had to worry about them um we pretty much just have one or two species uh, but between the different species, there is different levels of ibotenic acid, right? And and other alkaloids too. And and then you just get different sizes and based on the environment they're growing in and the, their water retention, right, contributes a lot to how much how much is in there and their potency. And then and then the big thing is the, the deep carboxylation process in uh, the Siberian shamans. You know, they would heat dry them in the sun in the pine trees, and that's where you get kind of that Christmas. The Christmas uh, vibe from you know decorating the pine trees with these these red and white mushrooms, and even they would even uh, bring these mushrooms down the chimneys because the the doors of the homes were snowed in, so they'd have to come down the chimneys and they'd put them in their bag and you know bring them down and you know for ceremony and for different purposes and so there's the, there's a lot of uh, um, there's a lot of ties in between our modern day. Um, Christmas story and these Amanita mushrooms. I mean, even to the point that flying reindeer are just high reindeer on mushrooms, <laughs> you know, because they eat these mushrooms, get these reindeer high, and then they'll drink their urine. 
mm-hmm. which the urine process, you know, that it converts the hypotetic acid. So they let the reindeer go through those more nauseating effects. And then the humans will come through and just drink the urine. And I've also heard that they used to let snails and they'd find snails that were eating the mushrooms and they'd eat the snails, you know, like escargot <laughs> and have, and get high on snails. Oh my so, God. Psychedelic yeah. snails. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. I have heard about that too. And that's like a big reason why I wanted to do this episode because there is a lot of rumors around the Amanita muscaria mushroom being a big, um, there's a big connection between the Amanitas and Santa Claus and flying reindeer. I feel it. I think what I've heard is that people in Siberia and like Scandinavia and these like northern parts of Europe, they would take the Amanitas in ceremony or maybe like you said, like they would drink the reindeer's urine or whatever. And then they would see the flying mushrooms, flying mushrooms, <laughs> the fly, they would see like flying reindeer because they're having this psychedelic experience and Santa Claus, you know, red and white. And then the Amanitas are red and white. So it's just really fascinating to think that this huge holiday that is celebrated all over the world could literally <laughs> like the part of it could be from this psychedelic mushroom. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And like I was saying with the Christmas ornaments, right? That's how they dried them is in the trees. And even presents, you know, traditionally wrapped presents are usually red presents, you know, at the bottom of a tree, the fruit of the mushrooms growing around the tree, you know, because they grow there. There's this, they're a symbiote to birch, birch trees, right? They're these carnivorous trees and pine trees. And so they, they fruit and they grow around them. And I've, I don't know if you're familiar with like fairy circles when it comes to growing mushrooms, but it's said that, that these gates to the fae and to these, the fairies are, you'll see these like mushrooms that grow in a circle. And these Amanitas, like almost everyone I, I picked was all, there are these fairy circles all the way around the property, you know, around these trees. Oh my God, that is so cool. Yeah. So if you ever see a circle of mushrooms growing, and and uh, they say that's like a portal to like a the fey land. Mm-hmm. You better make a little offering to the fey if you see a mushroom right. circle. <laughs> oh my god, I I love this so much. That is so cool, and it, it is. It's like the amanitas are like the earth's gift coming up and being planted under the Christmas trees, the birch and pine trees that they grow under. I feel like there's definitely. A link there and i mean in honest in all honesty most of our holidays that we celebrate have pagan origins in some way you know like pagans were honoring like the solstices and things like that and we just so happen to have a holiday right around like all of the solstices pretty much and the equinoxes mm-hmm. and stuff so yeah i feel like people would be really interested and fascinated to know how much of our traditions come from these ancient traditions that have just been lost. Yeah, I mean the Siberian shaman they would they would be under the influence of Amanita and Mescal and they would go deliver these these presents right down the chimneys. I mean yeah, with their flying reindeer, their high reindeer. So <laughs> yeah, I mean I I think there's definitely a tie if those stories are true. And um I also uh, think there might be a tie with Catholic priests. Like you look at, they have those little red top hats, similar to like a mushroom top. They have their cardigan. It's red and white, kind of even um, resembles the white skirt of like the underneath the mushroom on the stems. 
So, I mean, there's talk about that could possibly being linked to, I think that these psychedelic medicines, all of them, um, I mean, they, they cause spiritual experiences for sure. We can test that today. And it only makes sense that in some way they were worshiped either in ceremony or, or a part of religion and forming religions around the world. Yeah. It's like, um, have you heard of that? I mean, you've probably heard of that book, The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross. It's basically mm -hmm. this guy, I think he read the Dead Sea Scrolls and he, or he uh, translated them and he realized that Christianity was basically, the origins of it was like sacred mushroom fertility rituals. I haven't read the book. I just hear Joe Rogan talk about it all the time, but fascinating. It's very controversial, but like fascinating to think about. Yeah, you know, very controversial. And who's who's to say? I mean, I wasn't around back then, so we at some level you have to trust or believe, right? And I think by being able to ingest a medicine and see for yourself the experience and have a personal testimony with a medicine um, can lead to uh, understanding a lot more the, where these things might have come from. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree, and just. I mean, there's so much history that's been lost, right? There's so much like that has been erased from our ancestors in Europe, the ancestors here in the United States, the America, South America, Central America, like there is a lot of this, this knowledge and this wisdom that has really been erased and lost. And so I feel like we are the generation that is starting to like pick up the pieces a little mm -hmm. bit and, and find our way back to that, that, that connection that all mm -hmm. people had all across the, the entire earth, like indigenous people, tribal people, like from years, you know, centuries past had a connection to the earth in some way. And a lot of these tribal people worked with psychedelic plants in ritual form to have that connection to spirit. And then, you know, the fucking conquerors came over and told everyone, like, that's evil. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think a race might even be the wrong world. Like, on a physical stance, you know, things have been just forgotten with time. And I think that that all knowledge is, you know, you can call it the Akashic Records, or I think the Egyptians called it the net. But this, there's access to these fields of knowledge and intellect, and just by the process of rediscovery, we can tap into that. Um, and similar patterns will come about throughout time, you know, just, just like we see in history with empires rising and falling or discoveries that'll come up and then be forgotten or, and then come up again. Like these patterns are going to continue and you can kind of use this modern day uh, psychedelic renaissance to study the past and make connections that might've been lost. And it's not a for sure, but it is definitely gives you um, a, a different angle to look at it. And I think the personal testimony for me is what's made it, you know, I've, I've dedicated my life to using plant medicines because it's, it saved my life. Right. So uh, fungi included and, and we're continuing to find different avenues that we can use these medicines, not just spiritually, uh, but physically and, we can we can use them in these band-aid approaches we can use them in these transcendent approaches and i think it's just about getting the safety down to it and trying to keep it away from the greedy p 
people of the world that are that are just out for themselves and their pockets. And I think that's where pharmaceuticals in general is right now. It's we're going through a, a time of change and it's a, it, we're changing and ebbing and flowing back into this more connected to nature, more connected to our spirit, because we've had to separate from it in order to just come back. And it's that forgetting and remembering process within each of us, within our souls, you know, as a collective. I really just feel everything you're saying. I I think I like this Amanita tea. I think I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> hey friend, if you are interested in plant medicines or if you're on the plant medicine path, or even if you just like to work with plant medicines to enhance your spiritual practice, you are going to love Four Visions Market. Four Visions Market has a wide selection of many different spiritual tools that can help enhance your spiritual practice. They have just about anything you could imagine to fit your personal spiritual needs, such as an amazing collection of hape, which is my personal favorite thing to buy from them. Four Visions is my go-to place to get hape, and my two favorites from them are Divine Mother Rose and the Ojo de Jaguar Hape. And even if you're not into Hape like me, I promise you they will have something you're gonna love. They have a wide selection of spiritual tools with anything from ceremonial cacao to botanical tinctures such as King Nettle Tincture, which by the way, nettle is one of the most amazing and nutritious plants that you can put in your body. So everyone needs them a little bottle of King Nettle Tincture. They also have some amazing healing lotions, Florida water, Yoni steaming blends, tea blends, Sananga, and they have an entire line of CBD products, including tinctures, body butters, pain salves, and even a little something for your pets. And the beautiful thing about Four Visions is that every single product in their marketplace is created handmade by indigenous people of the Amazon. Amazon. And what I really love about them is that they give 50% of their profits back to those indigenous artisans to support them and their families and the tribes and make sure that they are healthy and beautiful and thriving as well. I am so grateful to be partnered with Four Visions. I really believe in their message and their purpose in this world. I love the way that they support and give back to the indigenous communities in the Amazon. And I think it's probably one of the best companies that you could support because they are really doing a lot to help those indigenous people. And I have a special 10% off code for you. So if you click the link in the show notes and use the code Serena Rose, you can get 10% off your first order. Now let's get back to the episode. Yeah, and this like, this connection that we have to the earth, like because we are the earth and I, I fully believe that the earth provides for us everything that we need and and she gifts us like for every ailment there is a medicine and Mm. a lot of pharmaceuticals if not all i i I don't have enough education on that to say all but i know a lot of pharmaceuticals are derived from plants like the the compounds that that they've created a lot of them come from plant medicines, you know, like, like, I just what comes to mind is like opium, but there's many others. It's like the the earth has given us these gifts. And for so long, we've been told that we're not supposed to use them like there's like, it's bad, it's evil, it's illegal, like, and thankfully, that's the beautiful thing about Amanitas is that's not even a concern because they are legal. But it's our birthright to have this connection 
to sacred plants and to heal in this way if we so choose you know i think so many people are becoming more interested in plant medicines and different forms of natural therapy herbal herbalism and even just like things like breath work and just how you can heal yourself naturally which is that knowledge that a lot of our ancestors have and that many ancestors you know and people still alive today indigenous people have held those traditions and like god so grateful for them because they they've been able to like people in south america and certain areas throughout the world they've been able to hold on to those traditions and that knowledge and help us to find our way you know so just just so grateful for like these mm. plants like it's just so crazy that they've been demonized for so long and i just wanted to really emphasize that point that you said about not letting the the greedy corporations try to take over because there is like this psychedelic therapy movement which in a lot of ways is amazing and beautiful but like we really don't want it to get to a point where the only access you have to sacred plant medicines is through the pharmaceutical industry and through a therapist or a doctor because there's just like it's too sterile we got to be mindful about that like we have a birthright to these plants and these fungi like they literally grow from the earth and so no person no corporation should be able to like play the middleman because mm -hmm. the earth literally gave us these gifts so that's my rant on that <laughs> well I, I think intentions probably started out good in in western pharmaceuticals i mean you don't want people to harm themselves you want people to be able to take the right dosages people that don't have the equipment to be able to do the study and the research and to look at these compound these different compounds that are used you know throughout all forms of medicine and i think i think the intention and at least the stance on it is is at least partially correct. Um, I think that if we just offer better education, that will go a long way. And teaching people, like we should be able to have electives in school with her herbology and being able to, and botany, and be able to use these medicines, grow these medicines, and know what they are when we're out in the wilderness, especially here in Alaska, where there's, you only have, you have vast differences of forest between, between cities, and you get stuck on, even on just on a road system, where you're flying out in the middle of nowhere like I do, and you get stuck, like, I've had to come up and use my knowledge to be able to just get medicines to use out in the wilderness, so like these things should be taught survival should be taught being able to um to help our friends and family in need or a stranger that we run across on a hiking trail you know because we don't neither of us have a first aid kit we packed with right and being able to know that hey you know willow bark is an aspirin it's a blood thinner i can make this into a tea for you i can help with pain relief i can take some amanita and help with pain relief we can brew these different these different teas and be able to uh, not only get vital nutrients, but get medicine. I am just feeling how fucking important this is. Like, I think about this all the time. Like we, like our ancestors literally could go outside and identify 
the plants that were there they knew which berries were safe to eat they knew which like plants could help you heal this and this and that's why i have so much like respect and admiration for the indigenous people especially of the amazon and all over the world because they still have like this knowledge and we have like we should know that like you like you said you should know like what plants are good for what and like how to identify them and what they look like and it's it's we're so disempowered right like i feel like what i was just as you were talking i'm just thinking like yeah if you are in a situation where you're in the alaskan wilderness and something like that happens and you have like no phone service you don't have access to medical care like you have to figure out some like it's like nature is here like Mm -hmm. we don't have to always depend on the the medical system for our healing and there's so many great things about it like so grateful you know like there's a lot of beautiful aspects to western medicine Mm -hmm. and also like we have a right to have this information for ourselves like there should be no gatekeepers to our healing like you shouldn't have to go to a, a a doctor or like i don't know it just feels like we should empower ourselves and you were talking about the safety thing and and that's really important right like and in, in a lot of the reasoning for this wanting to gatekeep of plant medicines is because people you know we don't want people to start going crazy and like taking too much and like you know going off the deep end or just harming themselves and I think that's really important and that's a big part of why I started this podcast is because I feel like people want that education and they need that and I think that we should empower ourselves to have this knowledge Mm -hmm. and I think that like I don't know I was just thinking like I feel like the government or like I feel like they try to treat us like children like we don't really like we don't have sovereignty like we can't um we can't like take care of ourselves and granted like yeah there's a lot of stupid people out there and sometimes i do stupid shit too so but it's like i i was just thinking about it and i'm like you know like our ancestors like our tribal ancestors the way that they learned about these plants is through trial and error there was the one guy who took too many amanitas and he had a fucking seizure and they were like okay let's not do that (laughs) you know (laughs) i think that we do need more education and we also need to all just empower ourselves to experiment and do our own research absolutely and learn from people who have like done the research already but this is just such an important conversation and it really is just it's like our reclamation of mm. nature of our birthright to have a relationship with sacred plants what I see is I see two frame frame of references. You have Western medicine and you have more Eastern medicine, right? Or that natural medicine. Whenever you have two opposing anything, it's it's never that one's right and one's wrong. It's always somewhere found in the middle, that vesica Pisces of overlap, like finding that balance. You call it Aristotle's golden mean, right? You have to find that balance where we can utilize Eastern and Western medicine together in harmony. 
Um, it's the same thing in any demographic with pol politics too. You, you got your two major sides, Republican and Democratic. Neither one's going to be the answer. The answer is going to be in the overlap, right? What we can agree upon. Whenever you have war, you have one side against another side because they have their 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 wants and desires and their beliefs, and they have their wants and desires and their beliefs. And if you were to take those two people and put them in a room, you know, or the, those two those two factions, and say, "Hey, let's change this conversation," and let's say, "Where what can we agree on? What can we agree on for our?" for our uh, belief systems? What can we agree on for our virtues? What is what is right to you and what is right to me? And what is wrong to you and what is wrong to me? And let's find where we can find that common ground because that's what it's all about is just like all, all energy is a sine wave. All energy throughout existence is a sine wave. You have peaks and you have valleys, right? And it's at some point those, those high peaks and those high, low valleys are gonna stabilize right in the middle, just like a ripple throughout existence. And I think that's what we're coming into right now is we we went into, at least in Western culture, we went into this, this high that this is the way it's done. This is the way it's organized. Um, it's pharmaceutical uh, or nothing. And, and that's not, that's not necessarily true because it's, we can go to the opposite parts of the world and it's done differently and it works for them. So it's like, how can we incorporate and find this balance between these different these different methodologies and these different medical approaches. Yeah. Like finding the harmony within that duality, like mm -hmm. the, the, the blending of the darkness and the light, like that what's in between those two is God is truth is like everything. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, the the yin and yang how the yin and yang symbol how even within the darkness there's light and even within the light there's darkness like we can find that common ground like like i like i said western medicine is very necessary for a lot of things like they're in seasons and years long past if you had you know if you got the flu or if you like got your foot cut off or something for some reason you will probably just die. Like there definitely there's there's a time and place for all of it, right? And it's just like finding that balance and learning how to blend these two opposing things and finding that that commonality and like seeing how can we how can we really change some shit up here because like it's not just one way or the other. There's yeah. more than just those two lanes and I agree with you with like the whole politics thing and all of that. We have to stop looking at things in so black and white and see that there's a lot of commonality. <laughs> a lot of you can't put yeah. anything in one box, right? Like you have you have to be able to keep the box vast and in and infinite in its approaches in the way you look at things at and in, in just perspective in general. You can't be so close-minded because as soon as you close your mind off and say this is the way you limit yourself from any other potentialities. So I would like to ask you, what would you explain as like the difference between psilocybin and Amanitas? Like- Experientially? Experientially, and maybe even like, how would you say their spirits are different? So ibotenic acid, for me, I tend to have more of almost like a projection um, you could say into the future type experiences with higher doses that comes with a lot of body discomfort. 
um, where Mescamol seems to be more reflecting on past experiences for me. And, and when I blend the two, when you get that right mixture, you can kind of get, get that middle bounce between the two where you can kind of have these completely um, and just mind-blowing experiences, very similar to psilocybin. Um, psilocybin, I think, is easier uh, to go through on the body. Like you don't have so much of the, and no, no, you can't get nausea from ingesting dry, dry mushrooms. It could be hard on the stomach. Um, that's why I rehydrate mine or just extract the psil psilocybin into tea. But, um, for the most part, I think with psilocybin producing mushrooms, you don't get as much nausea unless you're eating the dried mushrooms directly, you know, and it's, they're just hard to digest, but with ibotenic acid, uh, you can get nausea within 15 to 30 minutes and you can need extreme convulsion and you can get um i mean it's it could be intense in the higher doses and i i haven't i haven't taken very 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 high doses of ibotenic acid just because of caution um i like to convert as much as possible to mescaline um but it's important to have a little bit of that ibotenic acid too i know that there's a a, a research company in canada that is trying to make a pill form of mescaline that's a 100% conversion rate and through different alchemical and and chem uh, chemistry approaches, but um, that'd be interesting to try one day, you know, because I don't have the equipment to be able to, you know, the only thing I can do is in, is is do my best to trial and error experience and and see the subtle differences, and that's how I can kind of gauge and have a uh, how much of the conversion rate I've done. Um, but I mean, we do have the ability. Uh, and the science is out there to be able to test these these processes and get exact ratios and exact conversion rates and exact temperatures and um, environments. But as far as the experiential, um, I mean, you feel you just like similar with psilocybin and, and similar with ayahuasca, you feel that when it comes on, you know, Amanita Dreamer calls it the call of the ancestors. You know, as you feel that heaviness kind of hit your body. And then it want to it wants to take you out, you know. It wants you to go into a, an altered state and close your eyes, and you'll feel that kind of almost like groggy kind of. I just got to lay down feeling. And then as soon as you lay down and close your eyes, you can blast off, you know, with the right dosage. And um, I mean, you get the sacred sacred geometry. You get mandalas. You get tunnels. You can get spirits and different entities that can visit you on these. Uh, on this medicine, just like psilocybin. Um, it's just another path, you know, like, like all things to spirit, there's multiple paths, there's infinite amount of paths, and it's just another path. So if you decide to and have a curiosity cultivate inside you, that's that pull towards that spirit. You know, if you're, if, if you're even searching for it on Google or listening to this podcast, you probably have a call to work with it at some degree in some point in your life. Um, and uh, embrace that curiosity and you can do things, uh, with, you can evaluate your risk, you know, use common sense, use good research tactics, use, uh, get, get confident in what you're ingesting before you just blindly take it. Like you don't want to just take something from anyone that you get at a rave or a party, right? Like that's not the best environment to take something. That's how, that's how people can die. That's how people can end up in the hospitals. Um, and not saying that you can't, in doing this at home, but if you're going to work with a medicine, you know, safe, safety, like have, have a trusted trip sitter, at least on standby, 
um, have uh, some protocols in place for yourself to keep yourself safe, to have the right set and setting, you know, make sure your house is clean, make sure you have the ability to maybe go outside and have a space outside if you need to, you know, that's private, uh, put your phone and, and do not disturb mode and, and have your, have your, your standby friend in another room, or if you're ingesting with someone, you know, like go over these things, go over these precautions and have these safety protocols in place. Because when it comes to ingesting anything, especially when you're new to it, um, uh, you know, there's, there's so many things that can go, that can happen. And there's so many ways that the experience can influence you. And no matter what happens, it's going to be a learning experience. So it's just embracing that, that courage in yourself, doing your own research, becoming confident enough that you can say, Hey, I'm going to try this substance and I'm going to see, um, what it's like, because I feel this curiosity because I feel this, this, uh, pull towards it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I just love everything you said and it's so, so important. Like trust yourself and, you know, do your research, have a friend on standby. And I was just gonna say like my biggest tool ever, if, if I'm sitting with any kind of medicine and, I'm, and I start like freaking out a little bit or I'm going through it is music. Like mm. I have a, you know, I have a playlist of medicine music that I'll put on or just singing or like playing my guitar or even like movement, dancing, all of these things like can really like just shift the energy so quick. Mm. So yeah, like I just, I, I love this and I'm just so excited because I feel like Amanitas in particular are a medicine that is all over the place and- It's misunderstood. Yes, people don't really know about it. Or they think that it's poisonous. It's been, it's been, it's been demonized um, and it's misunderstood. And, but it's also kind of a wild card. It's, it's not as easy to work with. Um, you're, it's, it, you have to convert things. You have to do things in the right way. It's hard to control. I mean, it's easy to control if you know what you're doing. <laughs> but if you don't know what you're doing, you know, and you're still in that learning process, that's why it's so important to, like, I really, I highly suggest um, Amanita Dreamer's website and YouTube channel. She has preparation videos. Like you could spend a day or two going through and watching all her videos. And, you know, I got to sit with her in ceremony um, a couple of years ago, like I was saying, and it was beautiful. You know, we had, we did, we did a drum circle. So we had drumming and we had, we had people, you just go up and smoke the hookah. You can drink the medicine, you know, and, and um, like you said, with music, like drumming, Siberian shamans, they do a lot of drumming too, you know, so they have their, their reindeer skin drums and different, different instruments. And I know that in shamanic journeying um, in general, whether you're ingesting substance or not, they recommend using 220 beats per second. So you can look on YouTube, find a 220 beats um, drumming, shamanic drumming meditation and put on some headphones or you can you can um i'm getting number synchronicities every time i look somewhere <laughs> different clocks at different times around the room uh but uh um yeah you know put find 220 beats drumming put on some good headphones make sure your headphones are charged make sure your phone's charged make sure it's in do not disturb mode set set it up ceremonially set it up ritualistically i mean it doesn't matter what religion you come from if you need to say a prayer have your bible nearby that works too um you know call on your call on your guardian angels call on your ancestors you know and if you don't believe in any of that then 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 just say a 
say a little prayer to yourself, like, you know, and give yourself some encouragement. And as the medicine works with you, you'll go through different states of understandings, different states of feelings. Some, some, you might go through some harder experiences. You might go through some more positive and uplifting experiences where you want to dance or you want to, you want to cry or, you know, it's, it could be, it could be so vast and all over the place. Um, you're going to be testing your limits. You're going to be testing your understandings. You're going to be growing your knowledge uh, as a spiritual being, as a human being. And that's what these medicines do. They're a gift and they have to be treated that way. Mm-hmm. A Christmas gift. A Christmas gift under the Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I love it. And I, I remember you saying once, I think you said something like the Amanitas have this like jester-like quality to them. Yeah, so the jester archetype definitely follows the Amanitas. Um, I've at least in my testimonies and my experiences you know the that i mean visions of literally having like the jester the jester hat and like you know i know in in the psilocybin circles and the dmt circles they call them machine elves similar type beings made of geometry and colors but they have that jester look you know that we've seen throughout all time and it's kind of that comical kind of like he 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 <laughs> you know like like they, they're the fun. They're the, they're that aspect of humanity that, that brings out laughter and it brings out comedy and fun and childlike innocence. Mm-hmm. I feel that. Cause I like, even just throughout this podcast, there's been a couple times where I've been just feeling so giggly <laughs> and um, psilocybin's like that for me too. And I, th- I don't know, it's something about like mushrooms in general, like they're very like childlike and i don't know if it's i don't know if it's like they're so little and they're so cute and like (laughs) i just like when i see them i'm like oh my goodness like they're so cute they're Mm. like my friends (laughs) (laughs) they they, they don't add anything to you that's not already there i mean any plant medicine it doesn't add to you something that's not already there like all these different states all of these different archetypes they're all with and there's another angel over 1212 they're all within within you. They're all within your your uh, energy field, within your consciousness of awareness. And you know, I'm kind of of the belief that consciousness is infinitely encapsulated and tiered up. And so, just as these amanitas are a fruit of the earth, us humans are also a fruit of the earth. And I mean, there's I'm I'm sure you've heard a lot too about the ties between. Uh, mushrooms and and people how like genetically we're very similar like our even in mycelium and how it branches uh informs is the same same patterns that's found within our neural pathways of our brain yeah within, within the um how our veins and blood vessels distribute throughout our body and through our lungs mm-hmm. like these i mean have you heard of too i think it was in tokyo they use mycelium to like redesign their their underground substations so oh, i they, think i did hear something about that and i've heard yeah, so stories they, about like mycelium being used to like clean up oil spills and crazy shit oh yeah so with the tokyo thing it's uh the story goes is that they went and these i guess it was architects and engineers they they took mycelium and they um well they basically took a map of their train current train station and they all this the pathways right and laid it out and they put different um uh i guess it'd be nutrients along these pathways 
and then they in, uh, allowed the mycelium to grow and it found better, more efficient ways to these destinations and to these, the, and redesign their entire system. That you know, is you, crazy. I mean, you can use these, I mean, let's apply this to other aspects of engineering and things we can do within modern society. I mean, we could potentially use mycelium. If they can redesign train stations, they can redesign highways, they can redesign subdivisions, they can redesign um, any form of the, internet connectivity, fiber optics, you know, oceanic fibers and how fiber optic network systems are, are put a, a, um, and designed. Like you can use mycelium and mushrooms to redesign a more efficient way. And then you start incorporating that with artificial intelligence and pff, I don't even know what's possible. Right. Oh my God. Right. No, <laughs> we, have, I just feel like the, the world, oh my God, I feel like it's going to be so different even in just like 10 years. And I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what that's going to look like, but yeah, I think I'm speculate. optimistic. We can speculate. Um, from one of my medicine journeys, uh, I can't remember what medicine, um, you know, the kind of the understanding that I had is that we as a species, as we go through time, we're getting closer and closer to instantaneous communication, right? We have that through, through, uh, our stories, we can convey large amounts of information in a story just through the title of the story. Um, we can uh, use analogies to convey um, hard to understand uh, lessons and and emotional states and things that, concepts that are hard to grasp with words. We can convey them through our stories and through analogies a little better. And now we're getting to things like Neuralink and we're, we have the internet and we have these ways to communicate with other humans to the point where you and I can talk right now from across the, across the country. And it's like you, you extrapolate that out and you start incorporating artificial intelligence, which can do like more intense pattern recognition and from data sets um, in faster amounts of times. And then you, you add that to, cloud computing and to quantum computers. I mean, it's getting to a point where we're going to eventually we're going to have instantaneous communication, mm -hmm. which I think is what we already have outside of the physical realm. Right. So it's like, we're just bringing heaven to earth. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. And I, I feel like what I, what I really want to emphasize AI, it, it, especially with spiritual people, including myself at certain points, is like somewhat controversial and i think that it definitely could be used for uh negative things mm -hmm. and i can also see how it can literally help our society so much if we like use it in the right way and i also like just encourage people and this is why i feel like plant medicines are coming more online like just we're just reclaiming them because I feel like we need to develop our inner technology. Like mm -hmm. the whole, like, I mean, I don't know about the whole like Neuralink, like getting a chip in my brain thing. Like that freaks me out a little too much. It's like iRobot type shit. And I just don't know. I don't know. This, I don't know if that's for me, <laughs> but because when I think of it and they say like, you know, the, like you said, instantaneous communication, I like, I, I feel like we have that. And if we develop our, psychic intuitive abilities like we would realize that we already can communicate telepathically and we don't need to put a chip in our brain in order to do it but yeah
I just feel like humans, like we need to develop our own inner technology and realize like the powers that we already have that are just kind of dormant and that we don't really know about. I think it's a rediscovery process. Like we were talking about earlier. I mean, these things have been, been discovered within factions of humanity throughout time. It's just, it's a forgetting, right? It, because it's not, because you have, you have things like the seven deadly sins that creep up within humanity and they fight for control. They fight for power. They fight for greed. And let me ask you, I mean, is your, is your um, reluctance to uh, artificial intelligence because of artificial intelligence itself or the people that control it? Oh, for sure. For sure. Like the people that control it. And I think that um, it's multifaceted and I've become a lot more open to it, like in the past few months to a year, actually, because I've like, I don't know, I've listened to things from people and, and a lot of like where I feel like I'm at now is like, we just need to steer this boat in the right direction. You mm. know, like it doesn't like it's already here and people are using it. And and I think that like if we can take this thing in the right way, like it can potentially like save humanity to save whatever. I think, the, I think the same the same controversy was has been shown up in the past. We can look at patterns like when the in, invention of the Internet came out, mm -hmm. a lot of people had the same concerns. And just like anything, it's a tool and any tool can be used for good or bad. It's about the person using the tool and how it's being used and what the intention behind it is, because that's what it comes down to is what's the intention. You can, you can easily forgive someone um, that had a good intention and things failed. It's more easily to forgive that person. But when someone comes at you with the intention to harm, it's harder to forgive because that intention is so important. And so I think with anything, it's a tool, you know, just like a knife, I can use it to cook my family a dinner, or I can use it to kill someone, right? You know, and it it's the person that's wielding that tool and the people that are wielding that tool. So that's why my question, when I asked you, it's, is it, is it AI itself or is it the people in control? And you said the people in control. So now let's ask, how can, how can we affect those people? Well, like you said earlier, it's about that inner transformation. Right. So doing things like having these podcasts and having these different medicines available and having these different spiritual practices from all over the world that are coming together and people are learning about them through our creation of the Internet. Right. Through our tools. And we're able to start getting this information to other parts of the world and to other people that have never had it before. And they start to uh, and as we bring other uh like different tribes online that have, you know, in Africa, they haven't had internet or in different places of the world that haven't had internet out in the Amazon or here in Alaska, out in the native villages. And then my job is to bring internet to these native communities that never had it. They're starting to learn about these things. And then, then they're able to share and contribute their knowledge and their traditions. And so you're getting this global balancing act that's, that's happening. And you're going to see those peaks and those valleys throughout, throughout this system as time goes on. But eventually you're going to get you're going to get to that more stable place. And that's going to be because we're all going to be going through our awakening. We're all going to be doing our work and that's going to ripple. And you're going to start seeing in family dynamics. I'm sure you see it in your own, how your path is starting to contribute positively to not just yourself, but to your family and the people around you and the people you surround yourself with. And it, it's, it's literally is this butterfly effect. Like your, your energy field interacts with them. And then that might spark something in them and lead them down the path. And who knows, they might be the ones that come in control of AI in the future and have those keys to be able to make those changes. And it's about it's about rippling out um, 
those heartfelt connections that allow people to question for themselves and have these inner transformations because eventually that'll ripple to the top to those people that are more greedy because greed exists in all of us. It exists in me. It exists in you. And I can see, you know, for people that come into wealth, how that might be hard to, to stop wanting more because I see it in myself. You know, it's like, I always want more. I want to do more things. I want to give more to my friends, to my family. I want to have more for myself. Like these desires are part of human nature. And I don't think it's wrong to desire. You know, in Buddhism, they talk about how you're supposed to detach from your desires. They don't say not have them. They say detach from them, right? So how do you detach from your wants and your desires? You have to take a step back. You have to recognize that your wants and desires are part of this story that you're that you're observing. And it doesn't make them right or wrong. They just are. So you can question those desires. Why do I have these desires? Why do I have these wants? Why do I have these needs? Um, why am I having these thoughts about these desires? And eventually you can you can separate yourself enough through that analytical thought process or through a mystical experience using plant medicines like Amanita, where you have that separation, that buffer room between your physical body and, and your true self, which is the awareness of all that. And I think that's what's most important as all of us go through on, on our own individual journeys is that this we're at when I said earlier that we're bringing heaven to earth, we're going into these astral states, these other dimensional states, these uh, altered perceptions, and we're taking what we've learned and we're bringing it back to everyday reality in the physical. And we're able to spread that and to show that to our to others. And, and that's what sparks that curiosity. We don't have to tell them what's right or wrong. You look at all the uh, you know, Buddhists and even Jesus, everyone talks in parables. They talk in questions. They they get you to think for yourself because when you think for yourself, you start to have your own epiphanies. And when you have your own epiphanies, it's your own internal transformations of understanding. And those are what's, uh, I guess, the biggest impacting for my life has been, I can read all day what someone says, but until I witness it for myself, I won't know it to be true. I can only believe it to be true. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I just, I, f I fully agree with everything you said. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, Ryan channel it over here. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I think that like a lot of people do have that fear of AI because of like that control factor of like, mm if the wrong people are in control and they just want to use it to get more power and more control. And like, I think that they're like, that's a valid fear. And I think also like, I just started having these thoughts of like, well, if, you know, just whoever is interacting with something, even just like Chad GPT, if whatever you're putting in there is being put into this bank of information that Chad GPT, mm -hmm. the AI has, then why wouldn't I want my information to be like, not my personal information, but like, why wouldn't I want like the knowledge that I have, the wisdom, the spiritual insights that I've experienced in my life? Why, do, why wouldn't I want the AI to know about that? Like, because I'm influencing it too. So I, I just started thinking about like, if the right people start influencing it more than like, it will see those other perspectives but if the if the people who do have these spiritual insights and are connecting with their earth if we're all afraid 
of interacting with AI, then I feel like then the wrong people are the only people who are going to have access to it. And they're, mm -hmm. they're going to be the ones influencing it. Well, and you have to realize too, what separates us from AI, at least in our digital physical landscape is AI doesn't have the ability to recognize emotion. Like it can recognize pattern recognition. And I'm sure you can get to a point where it can take in a combination of visual stimuli and energy and different readings in the room, heat, heartbeat, you know, it can have all these instruments to be able to pattern recognize that, Hey, you know, this person's having an emotional response. You know, I'm, I'm saying that, you know, if AI was in like a robotic form, a physical form. And so it can recognize it in that way, but it can't have its own emotional experience itself, you know? And so that's what really separates humanity from artificial intelligence. What artificial intelligence is to me is it's, it's um, an analytical database set of our collective consciousness, void of emotion. And so what can that tool be used for? Well, it can be used in, in having a neutral perspective in governing decisions. So like in maybe in a court of law or maybe for, a, for helping um, come up with the best, the best way to, uh, to design something for a population or for a city or for a government. Um, you know, so it, it's, it can have that neut neutrality that we as humans have a hard time having. Because, you know, that's why we have a jury is we try to have multiple different personalities, multiple different people to try to get the best data set for convicting someone of guilty or not. And once you include a, a neutral bias, it can go just off the facts. But at the same time, like if we're speaking in a, in a court of law, like sometimes those emotional uh, gauges are needed too. So we may end up where a situation where in, in where we have AI judging something and humans judging something and being able to take a combination of those two assessments. I can see that happening, but I can definitely see AI governing a populace. And like, once you program it with the, the that's the that's the downside is that it's programmed. So the people that programmed it, that's the source codes, right. those limits that it put that we put on it are the only thing that that prevent it from doing more yeah and that's really important like who, so who who's who programming you, it yeah, exactly who's programming and wh where are they at on their spiritual journey mm -hmm. you know what kind of person are they what are their intentions do they have any biases you know like these are the things that need looked at in the programmers and the developers yeah, and I think that, that that's where a lot of people's concern is, including mine, because it's like, I don't know you. <laughs> and but at the same time, all we can do is work on ourselves like and and pay attention like, like, where is there like you said, where is there greed in me? Where is there the desire to control? Where is the desire to have more power? Where is where is the where are those darker aspects? Because it's all a reflection, right? So like, it's in me too. So how can I help like start to heal that or integrate that in a more healthy way within myself, you know, is really important. And it'll be really interesting to see where all this goes. But I think it is important to talk about like, I, th mm -hmm. I think that we shouldn't um, just ignore it and pretend that it's not happening, you know, and there is a lot of like, beautiful, amazing things that can come from AI. And I think that my 
my concern is that I fear that humans start to value intellect over emotions. And like we start to prioritize the mind more than we prioritize the heart. And I think that a lot of humans, you know, today feel like emotions are useless. Like they're just a nuisance. Like they like, why do I even have these? They just get in my way. And maybe I feel that because there's an aspect of me that thinks like that. Cause I definitely like, I'm a Capricorn. So, you know, sometimes I'm like, bro, I, haven't I felt this enough? Like, is it, can I be done now? <laughs> but so I really just want to like put it out into the universe and for myself, for humans to realize that our emotions are also a superpower. Like our emotions are also important and we came into a human body to be able to feel emotions this intensely even if it's uncomfortable sometimes and that there's power in that and and that we need that and i just want to like ensure that as we further along these technological ai improvements that we as humans like hold on to that and like yeah sometimes we need that non-emotional perspective and that's like really important but we also like we need our emotions like that's part of the beauty of being human is that we can feel such grief and empathy and anger and sadness and joy and bliss and that we have like this gift of being able to feel all of that and knowing that that is like it, it is a beautiful part of being human. It's it's not this thing that like we would be better off without it. Because I think there's some people that think that we would be better off if we didn't have any emotions. But I I don't I don't believe that. And that's coming from someone who has spent a lot of her life like trying to run away from my emotions. Mm -hmm. So I just well, really want you've learned to recognize the value of them, right? Mm -hmm. And that, I guess that's, that's the prayer that we want to put out for others is that they recognize the value in their emotions and that they aren't something that you have to run from. You can, if you want, but that's, I think that's what you would call the gift of God, right? You like, you have that, that ability to make that choice to run from them or not. And they, they'll keep coming up. They'll keep coming up and you can keep trying to escape them. But I'll tell you what, it's a lot better when you work through them oh yeah there's like that's where the juice is that's where like the magic is and i have met for much of my life many many times in my life i have felt i know what it feels like to be numb i know what it feels like to feel nothing mm -hmm. because i didn't allow myself to feel anything and it, it there's nothing worse than that <laughs> like i mean there's there's really horrible things in the world, but like the biggest thing that I've learned from all of it is like when I try to run away from the uncomfortable emotions and the emotions that I don't like and I dissociate from them, then I also cut myself off from all of the joy, from all of the love, from all of like the bliss and the happiness. And it, we need that. We need the duality, right? Like we have to go through the the shadow and the 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 darker emotions of like pain and anger and grief and sadness to be able to unlock those higher levels of joy and things so 
yeah, I just want to, I just want to put that out there for the world. And I just really appreciate you coming on today, Ryan. This has been so much fun and a great introduction for myself and for all the listeners to Amanitas. And like, this was such, just such a cool conversation. And is there anything else that you would like to say before we wrap up? Uh, just going off what you were just talking about, about the shadow, like you can't have a shadow without a light source. So if you're, if you're dealing with going through your own shadows and your own darkness, recognize that it's only because it's being illuminated. And so when you can turn around and face the light that's casting the shadow, that's when you can really turn around and face yourself. Mm -hmm. I love that. And like just being able to acknowledge and like accept all of these parts and say like, it's okay, I get it. Like, I still love you. And mm -hmm. also you're not allowed to run my whole life. But <laughs> like, I get it, you know? Like when you really look at, that's why it's doing self-work is just so important because when you start to like look, and this is what the plants have really uh shown to me is how much of a reflection everything is right and how much like just our perception you know if you if you have a lot of judgment towards yourself you tend to judge other people really harshly Definitely. so like when you start to look at the those shadow aspects of yourself and maybe the parts of yourself that you don't like as much or that you feel like are wrong or bad and then you see like, oh, like I, I understand how this happened. Oh, like my mom was like this to me and she was mean to me as a kid. And then, oh, my dad abandoned me or whatever your, whatever your story is. Like you'll have that compassion and you'll be like, okay, I get it. And then you'll see someone else like who's being an asshole to you in the grocery store or whatever. And you'll be like, oh, he probably like had some really difficult shit happen to him, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it is just always bringing it back to ourselves and knowing that we have the power over ourselves and over our realities. And that's where all the keys are within us. Yeah, definitely. And with when it comes to understanding, like you were talking about, like if you can, you just prove to yourself, you know, in that example that you didn't understand everything. And once you understood it, you were able to hold that compassion and we can apply that and just say, you know what? I probably don't understand anything in any situation. So when I'm having, when I'm having a, a, a judgment or a bias towards someone or a situation, being able to take that step back and say, you know what? I probably don't have the full perspective on this. Um, I don't have the right ability to judge in this situation probably. And don't use it as an excuse. Like you still have to be able to set boundaries for yourself. And that's something mm -hmm. that I learned learned uh, in the last few years is that you can't use the the understanding that you don't have enough understanding as an excuse. You just have to be able to recognize it and say, hey, you know what? It's probably not right of me to place judgment here. And and if if my boundaries are being crossed, I can still it's still okay to step away from this connection. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's. It's a big one. And yeah, like just being like, I don't know everything. It's so, so powerful. Like to just be like, oh, and, and I catch myself all the time. I'd be like, oh, this, this motherfucker over here, what are you doing? And then I'm like, you know what? I don't know their life. Like, <laughs> let me worry about me today. <laughs> That's all I we can do is try to worry about ourselves first, right? 
Mm-hmm. And that might seem greedy to some. I mean, that's that belief that you might say, oh, if I think about myself, that, that's greedy, right? But it's not when you know that by having your cup full, you can then overpour to others. Mm-hmm. Just like with everything, it's that balance, right? Because like, you don't want to go too far into the self, the ego, like then you turn into a narcissist but you do like you also don't want to go too far to the other end because then you're always worried about everybody else and you're never like prioritizing yourself Mm -hmm. like you you want that porridge just the right temperature exactly uh well thank you so much for coming on today ryan this has been so much fun yeah, it was great to see you again. It's been a couple months. I know. Yeah. And this was just like a fun time with our little teas and our smokes and our, it's just been <laughs> such a vibe. And I hope everybody listening enjoyed and has had a great time. And I hope you all have like a happy holiday season and all of that. And we'll put all of Ryan's information in the, in the description. Merry Christmas, right? Yes. Merry Christmas. Drink some Amanita tea and um, do a little winter solstice (laughs) ceremony and have a beautiful celebration yep yeah see the flying reindeer and (laughs) santa (laughs) and the the elf leprechaun jesters (laughs) the machine elves yes (laughs) all right thank you so much much. thank you everyone for listening yes have a good day happy holidays thank you so much for tuning in today If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a comment letting me know how you liked this episode. And if you have topic suggestions for future episodes, feel free to leave them in the comments there. If you're listening on a podcasting platform, it would really help me out if you could leave me a nice review letting me know how you like the podcast so far. Thank you so much and stay blessed.